Good to see you this morning. If you want to grab your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Excited to bring to conclusion our Christmas Advent sermon series this morning called The Nativity. Thankful for the work that God's done and my brother Steve and I getting to share this series and bring forth the events and the people at the birth of Christ. Um, highlight out of Scripture um, who those people are and, and how they help us point to Jesus and understand Him more. And, and this potentially is my favorite passage of all of them, save for a special Christmas Eve morning. Um, look to God's Word with me. I believe the, the words to this passage will be on the screen, and I think they're also in your bulletin handout there um, as well for reference. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The word of our Lord. Uh, four main parts I want us to see this morning. First, what a joy it is to, to see the good news. And I'm thankful to have friends and family here with us today and pray that you feel loved and cared for here at Disciples Church. It's a joy to walk with our church family and uh, to have you with us today. I pray that the, the Word of God is, is precious to you this morning. The good news. We hear the angels tell the shepherds that they have good news for them. And we all like good news, do we not? The good news the angels brought to the shepherds that day was the long-awaited Messiah had arrived. This is the greatest news those shepherds could have been told, truly, better than here is a million dollars, better than you are going to be given superhero powers today, or any other outrageous and unbelievable thing or change that could come upon us. It is better than any other good news in that Jesus' arrival meant rescue from our greatest problem separation from god 
because of our sin, is our greatest problem. No matter who you are or where you're from or what you believe, this is your greatest problem. You are separated from God because of your sin. He is holy. And we do not and cannot betray that holiness in sin. That separation not only affects your life here in this lifetime, but it determines your reality for eternity. It carries with it an immeasurable amount of weight. Understand, no matter how healthy you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter how beautiful you are, how loved you are, surrounded by family you are, how talented you are, how much fun your life is, apart from Jesus, saving grace, you are enslaved to your sin, and it is a lifelong and eternal penalty. Another way the Bible talks about this to give us a visual help of understanding this reality, this oh-so-important reality that we must know and understand, and what Jesus is alone to us, is that our sin, in our sin, we are in a spiritual darkness, and we cannot overcome it except by the light that is Christ. In John 8, 12, Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is really good news. Why? Why is what Jesus says right there really good news? It's because of our greatest problem. Because no amount of money or superhero powers are any good for us to get out of our spiritual darkness and get out of our right and just condemnation of eternal separation from a holy God because of our sin. Only the promised Messiah can do that in our lives. When the angels announced that first Christmas night to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is good news that would not only impact those shepherds on that hillside that night, or even just that region who would be close to this event, but it would travel, that good news would travel from generation to generation. It would travel around the globe by which God would use it to save people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. See, again, why this announcement of the arrival of Jesus is an essential part of the greatest news we've ever been given. Because it is news that changes our lives and changes lives of people across the globe for generations. Think about the impact of such news. Not only for a lifetime, but for eternity. And, and what is the good news they brought that night specifically? We see in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah 
a, a baby's born, a child is born, and he is the Savior. That word Christ there means Messiah, means royal redeemer. The Christ or the Messiah is the promised one of God that mankind has been waiting for. If you go all the way back to the beginning of mankind and our story and our fall in sin and death, it was there, right there, that God promised in Genesis 3.15 to deliver a Redeemer to rescue His people from their sin. Ever since then, mankind has been waiting whether they understood their problem or not, whether they knew the extent of who it was who was coming and why it mattered or not, there was no greater need or anticipation of mankind than the coming of the promised Redeemer, the Messiah. The angel said to the shepherds, on this day, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord is born. In other words, he's here. It has happened. The rescuer is here to rescue us. You must see the height and the brightness of this good news today. Only then do we begin to see why when they say, I bring you good news of great joy, why it is of great joy. Second thing the angels speak of to the shepherds is that that good news brings great joys and 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 that word joy is is man it is central to this season is it not do you not see that word all over the place j-o-y carved in blocks on the mantle lit up in christmas lights all around flying on banners filling frames there's a lot of ways to taste joy in our lives in the Christmas season, or just in our lives in general. But there is something not normal about Christmas joy. And it has nothing to do with gingerbread. It has nothing to do with lights, or fireplaces, or holiday songs, or families. It has everything to do with the arrival of Jesus. When God the Son humbly takes on flesh and is born unto us, that is the arrival of great joy. Christmas is, is not natural joy. It's supernatural. Yeah, in our sin, in our flesh, in our society, there is great effort and there's great ignorance by which we jump headlong into a holiday that can utterly miss the central person of it. Like showing up to a, the most awesome birthday party ever and completely ignoring the person you're there to celebrate. And yet we can do it all the time in so many ways and in that miss the very thread of purpose and cause for that simple word, J-O-Y. As we saw earlier in our Christmas series this year, the pagan astrologers who traversed far and 
found him. And when they did, it says in Matthew 2.10, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And today we hear the angels herald Jesus' arrival saying, I bring you good news of great joy. Look further down the page with me at at verse 15, and and let's see what the shepherds did in response to this news. It says in verse 15 and 16, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. That that English translation there, hurried off, in the Greek, as we understand that phrase better, it means they ran frantically. There was not a casual stroll, like, hey, let's pick up and just kind of make our way. No, they were, they were jacked up. They were excited to get there. In verse 17 through 19, they had seen him. When they had seen him, it caused an immediate reaction. And what was that reaction? To go spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed, wondered what the shepherds said to them. And can you just picture them They're running up and down the streets of Bethlehem to tell people, you got to know, you got to know. To share this good news. It says in verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all these things they had heard and seen, which were just like they had been told. Now realize, as they returned to the hillside, and this is so big, this is where we can miss this and we need not miss it. Circumstantially, what was different for these shepherds as they went back to work? Remember, they were not given a million dollars. They were not given superhero powers. They were given news by which they got to see and then celebrate. Nothing was different. They didn't have like better sandals or a new hat to stay warm. No, nothing circumstantially changed for them. They were going back to their fields to do just what they were doing before this. Just as in a few days you'll go back to life, back to work, back to your routines. Nothing had changed, but everything had changed. Why? Because the Messiah was here. Because great joy has arrived. What we see all throughout the Holy Scriptures is the testimony, one testimony after another, of people who are experiencing great joy that is far greater than their circumstances can show for. It is a joy that stems from something deeper, something not dependent on our circumstances, but it's a joy that stems from knowing Jesus. And it is one of the most beautiful witnesses of the gospel when even in the midst of some of life's greatest hurts and trials, there is an overwhelming joy that is had in who you are in Christ. 
No other thing, no other relationship can do that like he can. It's a reality. It's an identity shift that you can't measure in a cup or with a bank account or in the mirror or with a trophy or with a collection of likes on Facebook. You can't measure it that way. It is much more central to who you are and what we know when Christ comes into our lives. When he comes, he changes everything having to do with this life and the next. And the shepherds got this. If it's not this, then they are filled with great joy over a baby being born. Now just do business with that for me for a moment. I don't know very many blue-collar men who are called away from their job, randomly invited to a hospital to see a random baby born to a family that they don't know, and then they run out of the hospital running through the streets to tell everyone about it. To say what they saw, what they heard. So why then, why for these shepherds, is there truly overflow into praise and joy because of Jesus' birth and what it means for them and for us? Do you see great joy has arrived for us too? It's what Christmas is meant to do to remind us of Jesus' birth, the arrival of lasting joy. This Christmas, you can choose to try to have joy in things, in people of this world. Things in people that are growing old, that will break down, and will not remain. I'm not to say those things or those people are bad or not to be enjoyed. But to hang our hat on that, to put our identity and our joy in those things, as a pastor of almost 20 years now, I've seen it when those things get pulled out from underneath you and you feel like the bottoms fall out and, and you feel like dying because your hope and your joy was in something that's fleeting, something that's momentary, and not in the only thing that's lasting and faithful and true. So the other option is you could turn to Jesus, who is God, who is the source of true joy, and, and believe in him and trust your life to him. Oh, the danger of religion is to convince people to say some kind of incantation prayer by which you put God in your pocket and feel somehow secure for eternity. Church, we have to look to the fullness of Scripture and see that life in Christ means He changes everything about us. That's why the reference to new faith, new, new belief is, is new birth. You're, you're literally reborn. It's what you thought you knew about religion or about God. Everything's different. Everything changes. And I've seen God intervene in the midst of the worst of times of family strife and struggles, of, of great um, 
financial oppression or, 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 or persecution and launch people into a whole new path of life. Jesus' birth means the arrival of God in flesh. One of the reasons why this changes everything is that God is the all-satisfying object. There is nothing more satisfying than God. Nothing in His creation is greater than Him. To value something in His creation more than Him is to be an idolater. To worship and value Something he made more than him is to be an idol worshiper. Now, that has nothing to do with maybe a stone figure over a mantle, the way you might think of an idol. It's any good thing that we elevate to be more important or central to us than God. It's the root of sin in and of itself, is to put these things before him, before his mighty and authoritative word in our lives, and the work he wants to do in and through us. In the Psalms, all throughout the Psalms, we read time and time again that God is the source of complete and unending joy. Psalms like Psalm 43, 4, God is my exceeding joy. Psalm 16, 11, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And back to our text today, do you notice that Mary welled up these things unto worship. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. It is the arrival of Jesus that is the true arrival of lasting and great joy. It's the theme of the songs we sing at Christmas. We're going to gather in a few moments together in unison for a song you surely know as we sing Joy to the World. I mean, you've got to think about what is that song saying? It's, it's this, it's this message. And somehow we grab hold of it in such a way where it passes us by and we miss the centrality of what it's proclaiming. It might be a song you know by tradition. But instead of, of just that, I would encourage you to think about the reason for that great joy. Think about why Jesus' arrival that day meant the arrival of great and lasting joy that it would cause us to shout for joy. Psalm 66 says, Shout for joy to, the, to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Give Him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praise to you. They sing praises to your name. Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in His deeds towards children of man. And so with this, we got to see something great here that the shepherd's joy, Mary's joy, it, it all turns into praise to God. The angels receive and how the angels responded here in our text, verse 13 and 14. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. This is what true joy does. It gives praise. When you truly enjoy something, you will praise it. It will actually be hard to contain it if you really love it. 
authentic praise is out of the mouth of someone who found true enjoyment in it. That's why here at Disciples Church, we're much less worried about trying to get you to woodenly or begrudgingly worship. Because God, like, like any of the rest of us, don't long for begrudging worship or praise, inauthentic exaltation, but instead a true overflow of praise out of a heart that's welling up with worship for God. I mean, think about it. Think about how this works in your, modern, in your everyday life. You see a great movie, and, and it's almost, you almost come out of your skin until you can tell someone how awesome it was. You've got to go see this thing. It's awesome. Or your kid scores a goal, and it would be like absolutely abnormally wrong to just sit there quiet. You're so excited, you look like a goofball. That's praise, that's excitement. When we truly find joy in things, we speak of it with praise. The point is, there's no greater joy than what Jesus brings, new life in him. Rescue from the dominion of darkness, from the penalty of our sin, unto new life, unto a restored relationship with God. Only He can do that. Only He can pay the price that is due for that. And it's this good news of new life in Christ that is why the church, His church, sings to Him. Why we celebrate the birth of the baby in Bethlehem. Because He came to wage war on darkness and He won. If it's not this, then all of this is absolutely phenomenally wacky. That we pick this random kid who was born in this day and, and we make all of this and it changes everything. I mean, throughout the scriptures it is proclaimed, if not this, if these things did not happen or not true, we who claim faith in Christ are to be most pitied. And so there is no like medium here. It is either not or it is. And if it is, then it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes what we treasure and how we celebrate. Picture that multitude singing out Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which means glory to God in the highest. We too must sing to God, not in religious obligation, but in true and authentic praise for who He is and what He's done. Revelation 4 and 5, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It says they cast their crowns before His throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, and God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Joining a, a myriads and thousands of angels, they go on to sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that was in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. 
Amen? And notice finally what they say next. Glory to God in the highest. They proclaim and worship and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. There will be no peace if you are at enmity with God. Every beauty queen to walk a one way and make a cause or a claim for world peace is oblivious to the greatest problem that dwells within man. There is no true peace unless God is well pleased with you. God is not well pleased with you by your own action. There's only one way that happens is new birth. Is to be made new in Christ. It's for God to look upon us and not see our failed works, but the perfection of Jesus. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Jesus also came to bring peace. At one of the popular verses of old, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born. Hundreds of years before this happened, prophesied, Unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And he will be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the only true source of lasting and holistic peace. Jesus said with his own words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Don't confuse it with the world's version of peace. It is much deeper, much more holistic, much more life-changing. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 14, 27. Jesus came to bring peace to those whom he is well pleased. The Bible says that in our sin we're enemies of God. So how then is anyone able to please God? Isaiah 53, 5. He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us Peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Good news is that the baby who lay in the manger is peace. The one who was was beaten and hung on the cross to take our deserved wrath and death upon him is the Prince of Peace. The hero who conquered death and rose to everlasting life is peace. This is the gospel, the story, the news of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection that changes everything. Only in Him and through Him is God pleased with us. Only in Him can you have true and lasting peace. The scriptures are clear. The transformation that happens in one who believes and trusts in him is that in God's sovereign way, he, he gives you eyes finally to see the depth of your sin so much so that you agree with God this is sin. You confess it. You see with clear eyes like never before how desperate you are for Jesus alone. And you don't just believe in him like the demons believed in him or about him. No, you believe in him in such a way that you trust your life to him. You die to yourself and what you produced, and you trust your life to Jesus, by which it's your joy every day to take up your cross and follow him. Make much of his holy name and the time he gives us in this place.
unto the awaiting of an eternal celebration for his glory that is like nothing else. I pray that if you're here today, and by whatever reason you have dismissed the gospel, the good news, because of the failed efforts of religion, or your experiences with religion, it is my deepest hope and desire that in God's sovereign work alone, something far greater than me or this church, that that gospel news is coming to light in such a way that you are utterly moved unto action, questions, desire to truly not be at the helm of your own path and continue in this great problem of remaining separated from him because of sin, but a desire to know him, walk with him, trust him. And it would be our great desire to know you and walk with you in all that is to come with that. Finally, the peace Jesus is to us is a peace church that we don't keep to ourselves. It's a joy that we don't keep to ourselves. But those who are saved, those who are restored to God are called to live in peace and to share that with the world. That peace that only comes in God. Not that peace that we manufacture in man-made effort that's superficial and temporary. And The Scriptures say in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Ephesians 4, 1-3 Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Scriptures go on to say that the peace and the unity that we have in the church begins to be a testimony to a watching world. My prayer is as we process today's scripture and and this time of celebration together as we well up with worship for him that it would not be momentary or passing or fleeting an emotional experience that you put away and move on but it would change you it would move you unto action to be doers of the word and not just hearers of it the good news of jesus birth would bring great joy this christmas as you glorify god in the highest and share his peace with those that he puts in your path. And on that note, I, I prepare us for a time of, of celebration together with the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your radical evenness of temper Be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. 
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Pray with me. Father, we we thank you for this time. We thank you for this this beautiful testimony of, of good news, of great joy. We thank you, Lord, for the ways by which you are bringing these truths to our minds and our hearts today by the fact that Christmas Eve this year fell on Sunday and we get to gather and be in your word and be among the saved ones, Lord, that we would be reminded of the goodness of these things, that it would stir us unto life change and action, belief and testimony that that is something that is for something bigger than us, ultimately for your glory, but for the good of those that you would put in our path. Lord, that we see the depth of your love for us. And that while we were your enemies, while we continue to make everything and every way about us or about our preferred way of thinking about such things, Lord, that we would just see your, your grace and your patience to bring forth truth that would bring real repentance, a real change in, in, in the course of our lives unto a life that's about your glory. And the good news that changes lives, not only here in Bakersfield and our families, our, our neighborhoods, but to the ends of the earth. And so we join with the people you ordained to be part of the nativity, part of the, the birth of Jesus. We join with them in celebration and exaltation. Every person we've talked about in this month of December that is central to the birth of Jesus, has in some way proclaimed great worship and exaltation for you, and we join them. We join with the heralds and the host of the angels, singing glory to God in the highest, to sing of a great joy that is a worldwide movement of good news. And so hear us, Lord, this morning. Store our hearts as we prepare to go out into the rest of this weekend and time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us and let's celebrate the King together.